This is the Fertility Hour, where couples learn how to improve their fertility naturally. Join Charlene Lincoln as she interviews leading experts in the fields of natural fertility, holistic medicine, and preconception care. Fertility Hour is where you'll find evidence-based strategies, tips, and resources to help you when trying to conceive. And now, here's Charlene Lincoln. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Fertility Hour. Today, we have a very interesting guest. His name is Bill Statham. He was born in Toowoomba in Queensland, Australia, and grew up on a dairy farm on the fertile Darling Downs. That sounds very idyllic um, of an upbringing. When he was in his 20s, he told friends that one day he would write a book. 20 years later, this pipe dream became a reality when the Chemical Maze, Your Guide to Food Additives and Cosmetic Ingredients, was first published. Little did he realize all those years ago that it would become a bestseller and create an awareness that would change many people's lives for the better. In the 10 years leading up to the publication of his first book in 2001, Bill studied and practiced homeopathy both in Australia and in England. It was during this time that he became increasingly concerned about the detrimental effects on people's health caused by synthetic chemicals in foods, cosmetics, and personal care products. The chemical maze was born out of a need to make it simpler and easier for people to recognize chemicals as additives and ingredients that have the potential to be harmful to health. April 2011 marked the 10th anniversary of the chemical maze with over 150,000 copies having been sold worldwide. A 10th anniversary edition was published to commemorate this milestone. The Chemical Maze has been published in the UK and North America and in eight foreign languages. An electronic version of the book is also available as an application for smartphones. Bill lives with his wife and business partner, Kay Lancashire, in the picturesque town of Neerim, south in West Gippsland, in the state of Victoria, Australia. Welcome, Bill. Hello, Charlene. Good to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, when you said that you were going to write a book one day, what was the book going to be about? I, I thought it'd probably be a book of um, comedy fiction. Uh, I was interested in the subject at the time. And uh, yeah, but it, it turned out to be almost exactly the opposite to that. Right, <laughs> sort of science fiction, but it's our reality. <laughs> it's real. Unfortunately, it is reality. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, you know, I mean, what motivated you to do this? I, I mean, you said in the bio that you found that there was all these chemicals and additives that were detrimental, but was there kind of like a turning point that made you, that put a fire in you that you felt like you needed to make this known to the public? Yeah, I've always been interested in uh, health. And um, but when I was uh, practicing homeopathy, I realized that there were chemicals in foods and um and cosmetics that could actually be detrimental to the patients that I was treating. So I did some research on it and I was, I looked into cosmetics first because I thought, well, maybe there's things in the shampoo they're using or what they're putting on their, on their skin. Um, and I was pretty horrified to find that some of the, the, the additives, some of the, um, the, the chemicals that they were using in those products could actually cause the very problems that I was trying to treat people for. And I found that 
um, by telling these people about this, then they could avoid those things. And quite often their health would improve just by avoiding those very um, chemicals. And over a period of time, I thought, well, I really need to have something that people can take shopping with them so that they can avoid these things at point of sale because it's pointless buying something and bringing it home and realizing that it's got all these nasty things in it. So I originally was going to produce like a, a little fold out card, but the information far exceeded what I could put on that. So uh, the first edition of the chemical maze uh, was born. Uh, and uh, we've had five editions since then. And you mentioned before 150,000. Well, that's probably over 250,000 copies now. So I would think one. so, because like you said it was the 10th anniversary was that's 2011. Right. Yeah. Well, congr yeah. congratulations and, and thanks for doing this work. And I, yeah, I, I don't think a fold-out card would suffice, uh, unfortunately. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Those chemical names are quite long uh, also. Okay. I mean, there, there are so many chemicals in the cosmetic products and cleaning products and food additives. I mean, what are the main culprits these days? Okay, so if we have a look at foods to start with, um, there are additives, they call food additives, um, that play no part in the actual uh, food in that they don't contribute anything um, to the food apart from uh, like adding a colour or a preservative, preserving things, uh, flavour enhancers, which enhance the actual flavour that's there, um, the uh, synthetic sweeteners, um, all of these things, uh, essentially most of them are put in there uh, for the convenience of the manufacturers. They're, they're not there to enhance the food in any way. So the processed foods can... Uh, can actually be um, worse for you than going and buying fresh produce uh, for that very reason because they do contain uh, chemicals that uh, quite often are, are derived from uh, petroleum products. Are you talking about when you buy like um, processed uh, bags of salad and things? I mean, I know there's processed foods, but when you were talking about fresh versus processed, are you talking about like the, the, the pre-cut salad mixes and things like that? Because I know that they have preservatives, right, to preserve the freshness of it. That's right. Well, they would be included. Um, but, you know, uh, we'll probably cover this at the end. But um, I recommend, always recommend that people, wherever possible, buy certified organic uh, produce, fresh produce. And really, uh, ideally, the best way to do it, although not everybody can, is to grow your own. You know, then you know what's going on your food and you can pick it fresh daily. Yeah, that is ideal. And then secondary would be, I guess, shop a local farmer's market if you're fortunate enough to live in an area where they have that, right? Absolutely, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I was gonna ask you about genetically modified foods. Are, are they that much of a problem? And, and if so, why? Um, well, genetically modified foods, they've, uh, unlike um, traditional breeding techniques, genetically modified foods contain foreign uh, material that has been um, put in there uh, for various reasons to enhance colour or to enhance freshness or to, to, to actually um, uh, 
produce something that nature wouldn't normally do. Um, so putting like, for example, fish genes into, uh, into a plant, um, nature doesn't do that. Uh, and, and there are side effects to doing that. And there's a lot still unknown about that process. Um, the other thing about it is many of the crops that have been genetically modified are actually um, being produced to withstand uh, the chemical glyphosate, which is commonly known as Roundup, um, to resist so that farmers can spray there for the weeds and the crops aren't affected. Um, now, for many years, they thought that that was safe, but they're now finding out more and more that uh, this glyphosate can actually interrupt enzyme pathways um, in bacteria that are uh, beneficial bacteria that are essential in our gut for breaking down food. So that, as you can understand, can be problematic. Um, and we're getting, we're seeing more and more people with um, gut problems these days. Now, is there a connection? Um, that needs to be further investigated. Um, I don't have to further investigate it. I'd say yes, but um, if, if people need to wait for that science to come out, I think that it sounds extremely problematic. Um, yeah, and yeah, it is. And there, there is research to suggest that. So um, in answer to your question, I would say genetically modified foods um, are best avoided. How, do you, how does one know that they are eating genetically modified foods? Um, well, that's a good question um, because they're not required to be labelled uh, in many countries. Uh, and I believe in the US, um, there's been a lot of problems around trying to get um, foods labelled when they're genetically modified. Now, in Australia, here we do have uh, regulations that they have to be labelled, but the, the, the regulations are so loose that... I would defy anyone to go into a supermarket and pick uh, just one product off the shelf that says that it contains genetically modified ingredients, even though we know that maybe up to 70% or more uh, of products on the shelves are genetically modified. So, you know, even though they're in name only, those regulations basically here. Uh, so, mm. which, which is a big problem because essentially people are being duped. Oh, that, okay, that is an issue because yes, in the United States that was put up, um, that, that did not pass, it did not pass that they were required to label it, but there are certain um, grocers who carry a lot of brands that will say um, non-GMO and um, I'm sort of a consumer that trusts when it says that, non-GMO verified. Yeah, 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 you're much better trusting something like that than than going with something where there's nothing on it because then you don't know, you know, it, it could be or it may not be uh, genetically modified. I see. Um, okay, so we talked about food additives, flavor enhancers, and, you know, um, one, that, one that most people know is MSG, correct? And um, yeah. MSG is problematic for a lot of people. I heard of that. It, even if you don't have reactions to MSG, um, it is still considered a neurotoxin That's right. to yep. the wider population. And then uh, I know that on your website, uh, chemicalmaze.com, um, you were saying that MSG a lot of times has a lot of different names that it's called. Can you, 
can you um, tell us a few of those that we would recognize on an ingredient list? Yeah, um, uh, some of them HP, uh, HPV is uh, um, uh, some of the uh, the actual. Um, uh, let's see, my mind's gone a little bit blank on this, but um, there's probably um, thirty or forty different uh, ingredients that uh, are some of the. Um, uh, um, enhancers that they use, uh, mm. flavour enhancers and things like that. Um, uh, if, if people have got, the, have got my app, they can actually go to MSG and it will list some of the, um, some of the things there that they can, that MSG, some of the other names that it can be listed. Okay, I know um, a common one is hydrolyzed vegetable protein, right? Yeah, is that HPV, what... that, that's what I, I mentioned before, hydrolyzed yeah. vegetable. Uh, and anything that's hydrolyzed, basically. Um, is uh, will contain MSC or what they actually term as glutamate. So uh, it is something that um, uh, doesn't occur in nature, even though uh, the manufacturers will say that it does. It doesn't. It, it's it's actually manufactured. It's it's produced as a, a, a part of the processing of it. So and you mentioned uh, neurotoxin. Um, uh, MSG is what they term an excitotoxin in that it excites the neurons in the brain to the point of death. So um, you can actually uh, lose neurons uh, in your brain that could be irreplaceable. So, you know, the, the damage can be quite severe. And I, if I can just give a one little um, case that I know of, mm of somebody who was suffered so severely from MSG uh, reactions that uh, he would go to a restaurant and he'd say, do you use MSG in your food? And, and the waiter would say, no. And he said, well, you better be very sure about this. Go and ask the chef if you do, because if I have even a smaller man in MSG, you better have an ambulance waiting at the front door because he's nearly died several times from uh, from MSG. Now, not everybody has that extent of reaction. I, I do react to MSG. Um, I get uh, tingling in the roof of my mouth. Um, I get pains on my neck. So, um, you know, I know of, of quite a few people who do react to MSG. I, I think at restaurants, um, the wait staff, they just often don't know because I've asked no, and I, then you go, well, if I was really concerned, um, I just... They're not. They don't know a lot of. No, times. they don't. They, they don't, don't know, and they pretend. <laughs> they quite often they pretend they do, but they don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, what about chemicals which are being used commonly in cosmetic, cleaning, and personal care products, which can negatively negatively affect fertility? In many uh, yeah. Um, if we look at um, uh, groups of chemicals here. Um, so we'd look at parabens. Um, so parabens are preservatives that are put into products and also foods like propylparaben is, uh, is actually in foods as a preservative. Um, and, and they can interfere with fertility. Um, they can interfere with um, motility, with sperm. They can interfere with all sorts of, all areas of the reproductive system. Um, so, and they fall into a category called endocrine disrupting chemicals or EDCs. 
Um, so parabens are one of those. Um, BP, B, bisphen, the bisphenols. So um, there's bisphenol A, bisphenol F, bisphenol S. Um, and they are used as um, plasticizers uh, to make uh, plastics more pliable, but retain the strength. They're also used as solvents in, um, in various things, in cosmetics and the like, in nail polish um, and those sorts of things. Um, there are, um, uh, they're also used in um, containers that foods come in. And it's one of the reasons why you should never microwave foods, um, apart from the fact that microwave, I don't believe microwaves are good anyway, but um, they can leach out of, these chemicals can leach out of containers. Um, and uh, they're also used in linings in cans, um, tin cans with foods as well. Uh, and even here in Australia and then possibly the US, um, organic foods quite often come in cans with the lining with, with BPA in them, which to me doesn't make any sense whatsoever because what's the point in buying an organic food if it's being contaminated by a chemical? Uh, defeats the purpose. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, so the, the third class of, um, uh, of chemicals would be the phthalates, and that's spelled P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. Um, and there are quite a number of phthalates which are found in, in a, a wide range of um, products, in, including even sunscreens and, and things like that. Um, so uh, that would be the, the, the classes of categories. And, and a lot of the, and, and, and each of these has been shown, each of these categories has been shown to um, interfere with uh, the reproduction, reproductive cycle in various ways. Um, so uh, without going into a lot of details, um, I, I don't want to complicate things, but, but just keeping it simple, uh, yeah, they, they do um, ha have played various roles in interrupting uh, the process. And, and as you would understand, you've only got to interrupt one part of that process for the whole thing to fail. So you, end, you can end up with infertility. I, I completely understand why you wrote the chemical maze and now you have an, an app because I mean, I think that we, we, we get duped all the time as consumers. I feel like let's use the example of BPA. BPA is the devil we know. And there was so much buzz around BPA. I don't know. Now it's almost been a decade where it was like BPA is terrible. BPA is terrible. Um, okay. Let's make everything BPA free. Oh gosh thank God that that's been taken out of our plastics and then people continue to use the plastics, but are we any better? I mean, what's in the plant? I mean, there's all these like flexible plastic food containers and you go um, do takeout and they put boiling hot soup in these like soft plastic soup containers. Or, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess those probably do have BPA, but I'm just saying like, They'll, they'll, you'll look at a shampoo bottle and it'll say paraben and um, sodium lauryl sulfate free. But if you're a savvy consumer, you look at it and go, but what the heck else is in this? They do all these buzzwords to try to divert you and then put all yeah. these other chemicals in it. So you really do need sort of a companion guide or an app to be a smart shopper because, okay, they took the BPA out but you're still using plastic with a bunch of other plasticizers, xenoestrogens yeah. in it. 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. And uh, a number of these uh, uh, parabens are what they call estrogenic, um, so that they can interfere with estrogen uh, in the body. Um, and some of them actually produce synthetic estrogen, um, which which can mimic estrogen and, and can that can mess with your hormones as well. Um, but what, the, what there's a term for what you're actually talking about there, and it's called right. green greenwashing, mm-hmm. um, which is where you um, dupe the public by putting something on a label to detract from what you're actually doing. So I, I, the example that I would look at there is like having a lolly shop where you've got uh, out the front, you've got all of these nice lollies and signs and things out the back, but out the back there's a, there's a meth lab. Um, you know, in the background. So that's what you've got to look for. You've got to look behind the label. And uh, that's one of the reasons that I produced the book, <clears throat> the book, excuse me, and the app, um, uh, to, to make people more savvy and to have people, um, you know, start to question everything because um, it's not being done in your best interest. You've always got to think, okay, so what's the bottom line? What's at the back of all this? And at the back of it all, is money, is profit, you know, um, shareholders, what have you. Um, so, you know, you, you've got to become a savvy shopper. So, and the chemical maze is one of those things can, that can help you to become a savvy shopper. Uh, absolutely, because, okay, so um, for those who are trying to get pregnant, but then many have children already, I mean, look at, that's another question is, what about formulations um, that are used on children? Uh, there's a very, very, very famous one here in America. I mean, it's been probably since the 1800s, Johnson and Johnson. You know, I remember having my child and my mo- mom giving me this whole bath set and she was kind of like offended that I didn't want to use it. I said, well, have you ever looked at the ingredients? But it's such a trusted name right like it is it is i mean they would never do anything to harm your child and so but but what about the diapers and all the the different um lotions and potions and talcs and things like that like what's what's problematic with those yeah um well one thing comes to mind where that that is um uh, endemic in all of those that you talked about uh cosmetic uh um uh, household products, cleaners, and the like, and that's fragrance. Um, fragrance is the number one thing, and you'll find it pretty much, it's so endemic, it's everywhere. Um, perfumes, air fresheners, they all contain fragrance, and most of the fragrances are uh, contain hundreds, if not thousands, of different chemicals, um, m- quite a, a number of which are toxic. So, um, I mean, I, I quite often say to people when I'm talking to them that air freshener is probably one of the worst things that's ever been invented. Um, uh, it, it, it does everything but freshen the air. It actually makes the air more toxic when you use it. Um, so um, always look, look for fragrance on a, or parfums, another word, P-A-R-F-U-M, which is more the European uh, name for fragrance. But, um, and look for fragrance free as opposed to, um, uh, you know, scent does not contain scents or whatever. So uh, if it says fragrance free, by law, it actually has to contain no fragrance 
in it. Um, and synthetic, um, sorry, um, certified organic products that have, say, say fragrance-free, you, you're, you're pretty much fairly safe with those. Um, but, you know, household cleaners, you name one household cleaner that doesn't have a fragrance in it. Uh, even like toilet papers infused with fragrances. Um, so, yeah, it is. That, that's one of the biggest problems um, that I find. And fragrances, um, we come back to the word that I used before, phthalate. Um, phthalate's used in fragrances as a, as a fixative. Uh, and what that means is that when you spray it on your skin, it actually fixes to your skin. So the, the, the fragrance stays around for much longer. And they use these phthalates, um, which are petrochemically derived, to, um, it, uh, to, to make the, the fragrance grab hold of your skin and stay there for the longest period of time, uh, which in itself is problematic. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, not like unlike alcohol, alcohol will will diffuse fairly quickly. Um, so, you know, that's that's the reason that they use these phthalates. In um, uh, one of the main ones they use is is one called DEP, uh, and it's it's probably they claim that's one of the one of the least toxic of them. But you know, when you're trying to get pregnant and you're having problems, you want to avoid as much as possible anything that, that could get in the way of that. So um, uh, another one of the phthalates is uh, um, dibutyl phthalate or DP, um, the, a D, DP, uh, and that can be used, uh, some people may not realise this, in till receipts. So it's used in thermal paper. So you, these things that you're handling all the time, airline tickets, anywhere that's printed onto thermal paper and the oils on your skin, it can actually um, remove those phthalates from the paper and it can stay on your skin. And what goes, most of what goes onto your skin can actually go into your bloodstream. And from there, it uh, can go across the blood-brain barrier, can go in many different ways and, and, and cause all sorts of havoc in the body. I know in the United States, um, receipts are, um, are coded, have BPA in them. There's only a few um, stores, um, like a, a big health food store chain called Whole Foods um, claims that their receipts do not have BPA. So um, we've recommended in another podcast, just refuse the receipt um, just to minimize your exposure to it. But, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah, it's coming that, and, and just um, you know, just quickly, you know, for those who have children or obviously planning to have children, um, talk quickly about diapers because, gosh, I don't know about diapers in Australia, but diapers here, I mean, they are a chemical bath. I mean, once the child urinates into it it's captured and turns into this gel coagulant that sits on the baby's skin. And I, I can't imagine what is in there, but it's like wet skin, wet, tender skin. And then this chemical crap, I don't know. It's, it's really bizarre yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, some are just just to name a couple of the things. Um, there's a, a, a range of chemicals called, or <laughs> excuse me, class of chemicals called VOCs, volatile organic compounds, and those are uh, things that are like toluene, uh, for example, xylene is another one. Um, they've been found in um, diapers, uh, in in the manufacture of them. Um, so, uh, and they're carcinogenic. Uh, so, um, I would I would suggest wherever possible, if people can use, and it may take a little bit more time. I understand that. I understand why people use disposable um, diapers or nappies, as they refer to them here in Australia. Um, wherever possible, use certified organic cotton. Um, reusable diapers um, and and they are available um, you, you can buy 100% certified organic cotton um, and, and when I, and what I mean by certified organic is it means that the cotton's been grown in places where they're not using pesticides because here in Australia a lot of the cotton is that I wouldn't recommend using it because they use so many sprays on the cotton um, and, and um, you know, here we go to genetically modified as well and so forth. So, yeah, um, I, I, I would, that's what I would recommend. Um, I, I believe there are also um, disposable diapers that are certified organic as well that don't contain a lot of the chemicals. Uh, and if we can just go back a little step, when you talked mm -hmm. about BPA, um, Yes, there are so many things that do BPA and they may be BPA free. I'm not arguing that they're not. However, they neglect to tell you that they now contain BPS, um, bisphenol S or, or bisphenol F. Um, so that's replacing BPA. Uh, and they can still legally say BPA free, but BPS uh, has is being shown to be just as bad as BPA. It has all the same problems uh, as BPA uh, and here you know we've talked about greenwashing this is greenwashing it's, it's exactly what I was saying before so yeah. sneaky and, man and manipulative it it, it angers it me um, it but, it <laughs> but um, I mean but but consumers as consumers we do have a lot of power I mean where we spend our money and the more we are educated and um, how, how we choose our products is really going to influence this because going back to the Johnson and Johnson, I don't know what this really means in the big picture, but um, when I was showing my mom kind of the evidence of all the chemicals that are in Johnson and Johnson products, and, and I'm not targeting them. They're just so well known in the United States that um, they finally decided to um, change their formulation to take out some of the more um, I guess toxic, like the, 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 the perfumes, the phthalates um, out of their formula. I, th I think that's what they said. But um, yeah, I mean, um, I'm glad that you brought up uh, the, the fragrance issue. I mean, there's, there's, so, there's people like me, it's easy because I'm so hypersensitive to fragrances that it almost kind of astonishes me that other people aren't because it'll change my mood. I'll, I'll feel angry and nauseous. I mean, it could ruin my whole day if I was in a room where there's like some kind of plug-in um, you know, one of those plug-in fresheners yeah. or, but other people don't seem to be bothered by it. I know it's affecting their health and it's a hormone disruptor, but I just, I don't see how they don't get sick 
from it. Like, um, I mean, I, I've treated plenty of people who do, you know, like all the, um, the fabric softeners around, we'll talk about that for a second. All the, the, the detergents, they have such a strong scent and it's to mask the odor of the clothes, but um, let's talk about some alternatives to using those. And I mean, those are horrible, right? Yeah, you're you're wearing them yeah. on your skin. So yeah, talk about yeah. fab fabric softeners. I know I read a um, I read a blog post on your website about fabric softeners. What's what's the issue with those? I mean, you want soft fabric, don't you? Static free clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there again, we're talking chemicals again, you know, we're talking um, uh, in fabric softeners, all sorts of different toxic chemicals that, um, I mean, I, in my house, I do the washing here. Um, uh, my, my wife runs her business as well. She's a, a jewellery maker. Um, uh, but, you know, I choose to do the washing. That, that's, that's my part of doing the housework. Um, and I use vinegar uh, as a fabric softener in in the final wash. You know, a cup of vinegar, uh, and it come it works just as well, if not better, than any fabric softener, commercial fabric softener that you would buy. Now, vinegar's you know, 100% safe compared to uh, any of the any of the fabric softeners that uh, commercial fabric softeners. So um, I would recommend avoiding fabric softeners because they are going to contain chemicals um, and if people want to read about those chemicals they can do what you do go to my website and look up the blog post look up or uh, look up you know in the copy of my book the chemical maze bookshelf companion there's a section um, with household products in there uh, and it has got fabric softener in there and it'll tell you what chemicals are likely to be contained in fabric softener. Now, if I can just talk for a minute about, um, you know, you can, go to, to, you can go to your supermarket and you look up the labels on the foods and it'll tell you what is in there. It'll tell you the ingredients and the additives and so on. You can do the same thing with cosmetics. You can't do that with household cleaners and household products because by law, the manufacturers have come to an agreement with the author regulating authorities that they don't have to put the ingredients that are in those products, even though you're breathing them in, you're, you can get them on your hands, uh, and quite often they contain far more toxic chemicals than what's in the, you know, your personal care products and your cosmetics. Uh, and the like, and it's because they have proprietary formulas or secret, secret uh, trade secrets, um, which to me is, is a load of rubbish. Because every manufacturer knows what what his competitor is putting in his products. It's not a trade secret to his competitors. It's a trade secret to the public, who they don't want to know. Because if they had to put, they had to list these ingredients, people wouldn't buy them. You know, it's because. Uh, you know, it, it, it'd be like you'd have to label with with poison, uh, and a lot of people just wouldn't uh, wouldn't buy them if it's got poison on it. You know, and they do contain these things and phthalates and all of the various formaldehyde and the like. Well, I think here in this country, maybe they don't have to label it, but you know, it's it's basically you can look up. I mean, you can look in the back of a lot of them, and they have the number to the poison control center. I mean, you're not you, you're in bad trouble if your kid gets into it or or anything like that. You know, on most of these, 
You know, the funny thing is that we've become such a germaphobic culture and this being flu season here in America and, um, uh, you know, of course you want to keep things clean and sanitized, but you use these things like a Clorox bleach solution. Um, and it actually compromises your immune system by breathing it in, making, I think, make you more susceptible to getting sick. Um, because you could use a healthier solution. Like, um, I mean, what do you think of this bill? I'm a big fan of um, hydrogen peroxide. I, I, I love vinegar. I use it a lot, but hydrogen peroxide, I use it in, as a, as a bleach alternative. And if I need to spray a countertop or something, I'll use a little bit with some Castile soap. And I guess I'm happy with that. I feel like my family's safe and, um, and things are good, but Am I, is, am I kind of being naive in using that and thinking I'm killing germs sufficiently? Um, absolutely not. Um, uh, there have been studies that have shown that um, vinegar can kill just as many germs as the, as the, um, the highest uh, um, antimicrobials. So, you know, um, uh, vinegar and, as you said, hydrogen peroxide, um, bicarbonate of soda, tea tree oil, eucalyptus oil, um, a lot of these things are, are, are very useful. Um, and look, you know, and they've been around um, forever. You know, nature provided us everything that we need. Um, we don't have to produce these toxic chemicals. And as I said before, it basically it comes down to um, how much money can I make from producing this thing? I don't uh, the moral issue doesn't come into it when money's concerned, you know. Uh, and that's been proven time and time again by the number of pharmaceutical companies that have been sued because they put a drug on the market and now it's killed so many people, but they're still around. They're still producing drugs. They're still producing toxic things. It doesn't stop them, you know. Um, so this is where, like you said, as a, as a consumer, we are the ones with the power and we've just got to take the power back. Um, and we, 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 we do that by educating ourselves and um, not buying the products that are toxic, not buying the products that are, uh, are going to, um, you know, uh, compromise our health and compromise our, our ability, our innate ability to reproduce. So, um, you know, I've read a study where over a period of, of four decades, the... Um, uh, the ability to reproduce is, is reduced by a factor of four. So we're becoming more and more and more infertile, uh, and that's both male and female uh, from various uh, things that we've talked about today. You know, low, low sperm motility, low sperm uh, rates, uh, um, um, abnormal sperm, all of these things. And it's happening. I mean, the indications were there 30, 40, 50 years ago um, in, in animals, in frogs. Um, we, we, we rarely see frogs here in Australia anymore. You know, they've, they've virtually been wiped out. Uh, and that's because of, of hermaphrodism, where the chemicals have actually turned males to females and vice versa. It's, you know, so it's wiping mm -hmm. out species. Uh, and I quite often I tell people, you know, uh, we're just one of the species on the planet. Um, you know, there are species we're in the sixth great extinction at the moment. There's nothing to say that um, we won't wipe ourselves out because we're, we're heading 
very rapidly down that path in, in, a, in a number of ways and, and and it could be a chemical wipeout you know so it is a critical it is critical for people to think about this but also want to stress it's a bit of a catch-22 situation in that um, you know uh, stress is one of the things that can uh, interfere with becoming pregnant <laughs> so <laughs> If you if you think about what I've been talking about and you get stressed out about it, mm. you've got a catch-22 situation there. So mm. that's why I think, well, people should get educated and yeah. then do whatever they can. And, and there's three areas that they do have control over, and that's food, what they put in, what you put in your mouth, what you put on your skin, and what you use in household cleaners. Those are three areas where you have some power. Mm-hmm. I, I want to bring up, and I don't know if you're familiar with this product. Um, there's a product called Febreze. I think it's an extremely um, popular air freshener. And their commercials claim that um, they don't mask odor. It's a proprietary formula. Well, I don't know what the heck it does. It neutralizes odor. Like, But I just, do you know anything about that? Because I, I think that people who are listening, there's going to be a, a percentage who really sort of kind of buys into it. I mean, they, they have a very strong marketing campaign and um, they go, oh, it doesn't mask odor. It's doing some magical thing where it captures these odor molecules and just poof, makes them go away. Uh, is there any um, pitfalls to kind of, do you know anything about that product? You might want to look I, into I, it. It's, I, extreme, I, it's yeah. extremely popular. Um, I've heard of it. I have heard of it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know the mechanics of how it works. Yeah. Um, I do know, however, that they, um, some of these products have actually got uh, chemicals in them that uh, dull the olfactory nerves. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they anesthetize the nerves. So the smells, the, it's, it's just... The odor's still there, but you're not smelling it because you, you know, it inter- it's interfering with the process uh, of your, um, you're smelling. It's almost like someone's giving you an, an anesthetic to your, uh, to your, to your, ner- uh, to your, your smelling mechanism, as it were. Um, now, I don't know if this works in that way, but mm. I do know of products that do work uh, like that. Let's, let's just say that this particular product that I mentioned, say it really doesn't mask order and they've, they've done this genius thing where it captures the odor molecules. I mean, you really have to ask yourself, what is it doing? Okay, that's, that's brilliant, I guess, but like what chemical reaction is it having in your body that it's able to, to do that? And, yeah. um, and I mean, and God forbid you have a baby and, you know, I guess with those smelly diapers or whatever, you use some type of... Um, plug-in or some air freshener, you know, I beg you, please don't do that. I just, you know, I mean, educate yourself. Once you educate yourself on how toxic these things are, you'll just never want to have them again. I try to, anytime I've gone into someone's house, I say, you know, I don't want to be a bearer of bad news. Um, and some people go, oh, but I love that tropical scent, which to me, it smells so synthetic and kind of yucky, but some people really, really like it. But once I tell them, they go, okay, I'm going to unplug it because um, I know that in my house, it, if ever um, it's cold and I don't have the windows open enough, um, we just use peppermint oil um, diluted in water and spray it, and it works mm. beautifully. 
use a little baking yeah. soda on the carpet that you get a mason jar, you shake it with your favorite aromatherapy oil, shake it on the carpet, let it sit for 30 minutes and then vacuum it. And um, things are very fresh and you didn't compromise your health with that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can also use um, containers of um, bicarb soda in your fridge to absorb odors uh, in your refrigerator as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you know, I agree wholeheartedly with what or around your home right i mean i've um i've walked into a room that was freshly painted and it smelled so strong that you um i read on the internet you just put bowls of white vinegar and bowls of baking soda around the room and it, it's pretty miraculous um how mm. well it absorbs mm. it okay um bill it's it's uh, flu season here in um america it's one of the deadliest strains this year you know 58 children have died it's, it's really affecting people is it time to just pull out that hand sanitizer and start slathering up like crazy or is there any thing we should think about with that well studies have shown that it's soap and water <laughs> Um, just washing your hands with just normal soap and water is just as effective as, as the most powerful hand sanitizers. The big problem with hand sanitizers is they can contain a chemical called triclosan. And, and triclosan um, it can actually uh, lead to antibiotic resistance. Um, so, uh, which is a problem because you then end up with uh, um, um, bacteria that become resistant to all antibiotics. So if you get a mild bacterial infection, um, that that can uh, run right in your body and there's no antibiotics to treat you um, because they've run out of the... Um, uh, and this has happened in various places. Um, uh, MRSA is, is one of them, mycelin-resistant uh, antibiotic resistance. Um, so, um, you know, we're, we're being warned all the time uh, by the scientists that we're very close to getting to that point. But I don't see the medical profession using pure antibiotics. Um, and and the, the veterinary um, uh, field, um, uh, veterinarians are one of the biggest users of antibiotics, and that's leading to antibiotic resistance as well. Um, yeah, so triclosan um, is is the chemical that you're talking about there in hand sanitizers, uh, which which is is the big problem. I um, there was a study that came out last year saying that um, the triclosan exposure was increasing um, food sensitivities or food allergies in children, which has right. become really a big issue. But okay, yeah. so say this is i know what people why people use those okay soap and water they work brilliant but you're on the subway or bus or you've touched a doorknob that you feel uncomfortable about that's when people they don't have access to that sink hot water and soap and they want something right away is there like a an alternative that you could carry with you like it like a, a diluted tea tree oil or something that you could spray yeah, on yeah yeah you could make up uh you could make up your own uh personal hand wipes um, just with a cloth, with um, tea tree oil, uh, with uh, uh, even maybe soaked in soaked in uh, vinegar, as we mentioned before. Vinegar um, is very effective at killing um, killing germs. Um, but we've we've become very germ germophobic in that. You know, when I remember when I was growing, I grew up on a farm, 
and uh, you know we didn't have iPads, we didn't have uh, uh, you know these uh, iPhone games and and what have you. Uh, we played out in the dirt, we played in the mud, you know, uh, and uh, you know I drank uh, tank water uh, that came off the roof. It wasn't you know sterilised or what have you. Um, and and I've uh, we very rarely got sick, so you know um, this this thing about having everything every surface in your house um, sterile and pristine and you know it, it's it's we've we've been educated by television by the uh, you know by the manufacturers and they use they use two techniques they use the scare technique where they scare you into thinking that you're going to get something really horrible. And they use the guilt technique that, you know, if, if you don't give your kids these things, it makes you feel guilty that if you, if you haven't cleaned every service with a hundred different cleaners and, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and as we've talked about today, the, the, the chemicals used in these things are, are far more likely to make you chronically ill in the long term than um, because, you know, with a lot of these things, they've, if they've ever been studied at all um, for safety, um, it's only on animals. We're very different to animals. Um, and they've never been studied over a long-term period. They might be studied for two weeks or, or whatever, you know, uh, and then they declare them to be safe. Um, but who's to say in 20 years' time, the Alzheimer's you've got, now the Parkinson's you've got, the um, uh, you know whatever chronic diabetes, whatever chronic illness hasn't been caused by the chemicals that you used when you were in in your teens, your twenties, your thirties, they're accumulative over, over a long period of time, and and I believe that a lot of uh, you know if you look at chronic illness escalating all the time, cancers escalating all the time. Um, so I believe that a lot of it, and a lot of this escalation started around the time of, of the chemical invasion, which was after the Second World War, when a lot of these chemicals were developed during the Second World War, then they had stockpiles after them. So they had to work out what they were going to do with them. So they started to put them into cosmetics and personal care products. And they found that, you know, they did certain things and, you know, in in a way, it was an age of chemical discovery of what they could do with these things, and you know, they didn't know at the time. They didn't have the sophisticated equipment then to determine that they were actually could be called, could be very detrimental to health. When they found that out, that didn't stop them using them. There's too much money involved. You know, they just oh, they hid the they hid those uh, effects. Well, you were talking about your time growing up in the farm and it just sort of reminds me um, there's a condition called SIBO and um, they were saying, well, I'm, I'm not going to go into a, a, a kind of an unconventional treatment of it, but they were saying our ultra sanitized lifestyle is one contributing factor because when we grew up um, kind of growing our own food, uh, oftentimes it'd be pick a carrot, you wouldn't go and scrub it and peel it. I mean, you'd wipe mm. off the excess dirt and you'd pop it in your mouth and, and then those um, microbials would 
you know, colonizing your gut in a good way, but we've yeah, gotten yeah. so far removed from that. Um, I agree too. I, I'm a, I'm a hand washer, but I don't, I don't get crazy about that. But, um, hmm. but I know, you know, I know people who are listening are like, well, I still want things. I, I don't care. I still want things sanitized. So one thing that kind of comes up for me that um, a lot of the like bleaching solutions that they use the scare tactic is um, being infected with E. coli or salmonella from our foods, raw chicken and what have hmm. you. Um, hmm. What solution is that still like, is, is the pH of vinegar strong enough to, to um, to kill that or what? What's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we we need lead uh, a fairly normal life. I've got a uh, here, my wife and myself, um, and our family. Um, you know, we we're careful with what we eat. Um, you know, um, but we don't go. We I, we use um, natural cleaners. I won't have any toxic um, cleaners in the house. My um, my stepdaughter, my wife's daughter, and her family, they follow the same regime. They've got two kids. She tells them to go out and play in the dirt. When they come in, they just wash their hands in soap and water. Um, they don't use any any of these toxic cleaners. I know many families who who work like that, and they don't have toxic cleaners. And in the main, they're actually more healthy. Than, um, than the people who are actually using these, uh, uh, you know, toxic cleaners that we've been talking about, the toxic that all fall into the category of household cleaners, be it window cleaner, oven cleaner. Um, and as I mentioned before, in, in the household ingredients section of my book, um, I list everything from... Uh, air freshness through window clean on what they're likely to contain because as we mentioned before um, the manufacturers are not required to put it on the on the label um, what their what formulations are most likely to contain and then I have um, safer safer alternatives that you can make yourself and you mentioned Castile soap before that's one of the one of the things that you can use so you know as I said before uh, most of these things are done for profit. They're not done to uh, you make our lives easier or, or uh, make make us safer or, you know, and it can be the opposite. So. If, if you're listening to this and you think, um, okay, I need to make a change and I want to get all those household toxic products out, um, please, before you dump them out, call your local city municipality and find it find a proper dumping site because we're not kidding they are toxic chemicals and just to put them in your trash can is mm. um is sort of irresponsible so you yeah. usually have to bring them to a special place just like if you were to dispose of paint or electronics or, or batteries or what have you um, yeah because yeah they are toxic and then um, cosmetics too. I mean, I think we live in an age where we're just bombarded with all this toxic stuff, but we also live in a beautiful time where we have so many choices in products because there's so much information out there, just like Bill's site, the chemical maze, and, and then the app. I want to talk about the app in a second, but there are so many alternatives. I mean, I have found how to make every type of cleaning product 
off the internet or I go to my local health food store if I'm feeling sort of lazy and I get something where I think it's a pretty clean product and it's no problem. You know, it's like, it's not complicated. They make it easy. Um, So talk about the app. Is it just for iPhones or have you made it where um, an Android phone can use it now? Yeah, no, it's for Android and and for iPhone or or iOS platform and uh, Apple um, and the Android. So Samsung uh, and the like um, can can be used on those. And we've probably sold, um, it's been around for about, so um, 2010, 2009, 10. Um, so, and we've sold probably over 35,000 um, apps, app down, had app downloads, um, uh, most of those throughout Australia and New Zealand, but uh, in the US as well and um, uh, across Europe. Okay, well, I hope we increase um, uh, the exposure of the app because I know in the United States, I mean, there is such a um, a desire to know what's safe and not. I really, it really is. I mean, there's so many people who are really um, trying to be advocates for their own health and tired of being duped and lied to um, yep. by all these, you know, different companies. Uh, so that's wonderful. Um, Okay, so just to kind of recap, when we're talking about fertility, and when we're talking about fertility, we're really talking about overall health because, um, you know, uh, the focus is fertility issues and and practical tips, but, um, you know, you were talking about the phthalates, you were talking about BPA, and kind of plastics in general. Um, Is there any plastics that are safe? Is it just the soft plastics, or, or should one kind of steer clear of most plastics? Um, no, there are um, safer plastics, mm-hmm. uh, but the big problem with plastic is is um, they're non-biodegradable. So it's a huge problem in the world. If even just looking on from an environmental viewpoint, we've got huge problems with um, plastic. Um, I don't know whether you have in the US, but there's campaigns here in Australia to remove non uh, to be removed. Uh, one-use plastic bags from supermarkets and mm-hmm. like because you know they're ending up they're destroying the environment they're then destroying whole species mm-hmm. and you get you then you get the knock-on effect because one species relies on another and that's disappeared so it disappears and you get you know down down the line so um, but from a human health point of view yeah there are um, relatively safe plastics those are the one of the harder plastics that are um but yeah there is a problem with food packaging so um you know apart from the environmental issue um so uh you know it's best to minimize the uh the number of um uh, the the amount of food packaging um you know use a reusable cloth bag when you go shopping um so that, uh, you know, you're not contributing to the problem. Um, you know, it's the old adage, if you're not, if you're not uh, um, you know, helping the problem, you're, you know, you, you're actually contributing it, to it. Mm. So be one of the people who's actually doing something about uh, fixing the problem. Um, so, yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know what else I can say about that, but... Uh, I mean, a lot of it comes down to common sense, really. A lot of it comes down to common sense. And it's, 
in, despite what this, despite the word common sense, it's not that common anymore. Mm -mm. Yeah, we talk about common sense, but it really isn't that common anymore. It's um, and it's because I think we we we've become puppets. We've become robots. We you know we tend to we we don't think for ourselves. We tend to believe what we're being told. Um, we've got to start to think for ourselves and start to do our own research and start to you know. Um, take more responsibility for ourselves and for the planet? Our audience is smart. I mean, it's, uh, I don't, I don't, um, I, I don't think that they're the average, um, there's no, nothing average no. about this audience. You know, they're, they're extremely educated and um, inquisitive and re I really want to know. So um, yeah, they, they're not the average, um, definitely not out there. Um, yeah, I was talking generally, but I yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, 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 that's great that um, you know, and and they they're the people who can educate the next generation. Mm -hmm. you know? um, so and that that's great. So uh, I really applaud that. You know, that people are, are willing to. So just, so just to kind of like recap again. So we were talking about fragrances, phthalates. BPA. Um, what what was what something? Oh, uh, the the food additives. MSG being just one of them. So sodium benzoate. Um, any other Aspartame. big ones that? Aspartame comes to mind. Oh my gosh, the artificial sweeteners. Yeah. Aspart aspartame, the yeah. artificial sweeteners. So many problems associated with them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, if you've got a sweet tooth, you're probably better off having well stevia. Is, is an example of, a, of, of an alternative to, uh, um, uh, so, and it's a natural sweetener and there are other natural sweeteners that you can use. Um, high, high fructose corn syrups, another big problem, um, you know, uh, and, and corn's one of the most corn in the US, the scrum in the US is genetically modified as well. So you've got the double whammy with that. Uh, despite the fact that they say it's carbohydrate, it will contain some protein that's got in there from the manufacturing process. So, um. I think that's how, I, I think the sugar industry um, is great at sort of manipulating the message and duping people because it's like white sugar, stay away from white sugar, stay away from corn syrup. And then people go, oh, well, this has zero calories. It's a, you know, alternative to sugar. And um, do, you, do you educate people on that? Because we, we're running out of time. So as far as like art, I, I'm assuming most of us know to stay away from artificial sweeteners. But then all of a sudden I'll see, like in every restaurant in America, in California, I live in a very kind of like, health and holistic area. I mean, there's art of three different types of artificial sweetener on the table at restaurants. So obviously people are using them. And yeah, I, yeah. I thought the message was out on them, but um, I guess they are, people love the taste. There's people who just really love the taste of it and they mm -hmm. sort of go, oh, is it really that bad? I'm not using white. So um, is there information on your website that they could read more about artificial sweeteners? Um, yeah, yeah. Also on the app, if you, you can look up aspartame um, on the app, uh, aspartame, you can look up um, sucralose uh, in the app as well. Um, one other thing I'll just mention with the app, the app was written for 
uh, Australia and New Zealand. So in the food additive section in Australia here, we used um, what's called INS numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe, uh, so like the, uh, the food additive yellow colouring tartrazine, which I think is FDNC yellow number five, um, and which is probably how it's labelled in the US, mm-hmm. uh, is food additive 102 in Australia. But there is a, a, uh, an index where you can look up 102 and it'll tell you what, what the actual, um, uh, the, what you look for in the US when you're looking for that. Um, so uh, just to give people a bit of a heads up on it when they do uh, buy the app. So, and you can also search with the app, you can search by name or by number. Um, uh, in Australia, when people, when manufacturers uh, got a bit savvy about people thinking, oh, they're not going to buy because they've got a number on, they started going back to putting the names of, because uh, they're, so they're always trying to stay ahead of the game, as it were, you know. Uh, Hmm. Nice move. Okay. Yeah. 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 And amino okay, sweet. Well, aspartame is, is now also known as amino sweet. So as people got used to the name aspartame, they changed the name. So they've changed it to amino sweet. I see. Yeah, okay. Trying, again, trying to dupe, dupe the, uh, the public. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, if, if you appreciate the content uh, today, please support us by subscribing to the Fertility Hour. We thank you so much for your support. And then, um, Bill, give us the name of your website again, where you um, where we can download the app and get the the, the companion guide. Yeah. So if you go to www.chemicalmaze.com, c h e m i c a l m a z e dot com, or one word. Um, that will take you to our website. Website. There's a link that'll then take you through to Google Play or to the Apple uh, App Store, where you can uh, purchase the app. Um, and if there's also, we have an email address team at Chemical Maze. So if anybody's got any questions uh, that they they'd like answered, then uh, they're welcome to email me at team at Chemical Maze, and I'd be more than happy to. Uh, if I can answer those questions, I believe um, in uh, to purchase the book and have it sent to the U.S. It's probably around about thirty dollars U.S. Uh, to get the, uh, the the Chemical Maze Bookshelf Companion. I see. Okay, and it has to be through the website. Um, you uh, do not have yeah. it on. In, okay, got it. Yeah, okay. it'd have to be through the website. We don't have any distributors in the U.S. and it's not available on uh, on Amazon either. Okay. Uh, well, the app is. At least it's very convenient to absolutely, purchase it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, although the, the app will cover food additives and cosmetic ingredients, but it won't have the section on household products that I uh, that I mentioned. That's only in the book. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time, and I really appreciate it. Keep yeah, doing thanks, the keep doing the great work that you're doing, Bill. Yeah, this has been fun. It's been good. Uh, thank and thanks for for having me on your your show. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Fertility Hour. For being one of our loyal listeners, we would like to give you free access to a special report called Restore Your Fertility Naturally. Inside, you'll learn about an eight-step, all-natural process that's helped hundreds of couples conceive. This is one of our most popular reports, and you can get free access by going to fertilityhour.com forward slash report. 
Again, that's fertilityhour.com forward slash report. Go there now, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Fertility Hour.